Hello, I'm Kenny Smith, and this is The Best Story I've Heard Today, a podcast for news junkies. We know you can't possibly see all of the great content being produced, so we're bringing you a story that you might have otherwise overlooked. Our guests each day tell us about the best story they found today, and today we're pleased to welcome back to the program Dr. Lauren Smith, a professor of sports media at Indiana University. Thanks for joining us today, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Tell us about the story you found today and tell us why the rest of us should read it as well. The story I found today is a story from ABC News and it's titled, Three Female Olympians Pledged to Donate Brains for Concussion Research. thought it was an interesting article. Um, CTE injuries are obviously a topic that's been of recent importance in the past couple of years that has gained a lot of attention. The Olympics being two days away, I thought it was an interesting tie-in. But there were a lot of a lot of points in the story that I thought were interesting to think about and consider. We think about CTE, we immediately think about football. But this story brought up a couple different interesting points. One, the female aspect, female athlete aspect, and two, the inclusion of other sports besides what we immediately think of football, boxing, and to some extent soccer when we think of CTE and athletes. When you showed me this story just before we sat down to record it, my first thought also was about, wow, interesting timing in terms of the Olympics. And then I thought about things like, I wonder if this is something that will be discussed in the Olympic Village. And then I thought, I wonder if this is something that the Olympic Games or the organizers of the various sports that are under the Olympic umbrellas, how they feel about this considering that timing. What are your thoughts there? (laughs) Um, well, if I can be cynical, it's the IOC, so probably not, <laughs> because the IOC really hasn't, um, you know, proven to be particularly, at least, interested in athletes. Um, you know, as as a side tangent, I know this is supposed to be the best story I heard today, but I did also read another story that apparently norovirus is sweeping its way through the Olympic Village, um, so the IOC might be a little bit more focused on that right now. They're going to have a lot of things to talk about <laughs> they, in the Village. They are. Um, you know, with respect to this, um, I don't know. I don't know if the IOC will focus on this. I think this is a larger um, issue that all sport governing bodies should should be looking at that necessarily aren't, but I, I have a feeling that the IOC, the larger governing bodies, um, the NCAA, will kick it down to the individual sport um, levels to say focus on this because what happens in the NFL uh, may be different than what happens you know at the NHL level. Why is it important here in this story that it's three female athletes? I think it's important because it brings attention to the fact that well women can be affected by CTE that this is a, a broad issue that affects athletes from uh, multiple sports um, that affects all genders. Uh, the article references that there might be sex differences within within CTE. Uh, CTE is so brand new and so um, hard to be understood because, as the article points out, um, and as research has shown, CTE can't be properly diagnosed yet until an athlete is deceased and their brain can be studied. I think there's one case of a living athlete has been, that has been diagnosed with CTE, but um, you know, this is really a complex and incredibly hard to understand disease right now, but one that's really important. I think this article is important, you know, for that reason. Women are affected. All sorts of people are affected. And the more understanding we can gain over all of the sports that are effective, affected and that both genders can be affected by this issue, you know, it's an important thing to focus on. There has been one former NFL football player in the fall of last year that was announced. Today we're talking about a bobsledder and two hockey players. Hockey players. Mm-hmm. Might there be some sort of politicking going on in the village? Might there be conversations about this? Because your story gets into the disparity in terms of 
the number of men versus women who have pledged their brain posthumously to the research. And it's something like 20% of those who have pledged are women. So about 80% or so are men. Is there a movement afoot here? I would hope so. I would hope there would be a movement. I think, you know, part of the discrepancy is is going to be natural. And I don't necessarily raise my eyebrow at it because, you know, by virtue of sport, um, I think men naturally play more collision sport. Um, you know, we would expect to see a, a more men donating their brains because we see football, primarily men. You know, more men are in hockey, more men are in boxing. Um, but the fact that women are making up a poppy part of this population, hopefully it will at least raise attention to the fact that this is a, a broad, a broader issue than just football, than just boxing, um, that there are other sports to be considered um, and that we should be looking at this on a larger scale. Chris Nowinski is the CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and he gets quoted in a lot of CTE stories these days. He's quoted in your story too, Lauren, and he, he's mentioning something here I think is very interesting about the gender aspect of this. He says that even in his own experience, when they're reaching out to families to request brain donations, there's, there's a difference in terms of the comfortability uh, when, when we're talking about our wives, our mothers, rather than, than male athletes. Why do you think that would be? I think it speaks by and large to, you know, in society, how we view women. Women are supposed to be the ones that we protect, that we look after. You know, sort of how a lot of people have trouble talking about women in combat, women on the front lines. You're supposed to keep women out of harm's way. You're not supposed to directly put them into the line of fire. And I'm not directly equating female athletes with, with women in combat. And I'm not trying to make that, you know, equal comparison at all. But um, in this, I could see where families would have a hard time because, Here's somebody calling to say, you know, here, here's your, here's your mother, here's your wife, here's your sister, um, here's somebody that was supposed to have been protected, and and we're telling you that this situation that they were in, this sport that they were in, they were not protected. They were directly put in harm's way. They were put in a situation where their brain uh, was put at terrible risk, and we'd like to study them. Reaching out just on a broader scale, I know um, a lot of people you know, have trouble with the idea of autopsies in general. They don't want to think of their loved ones being cut open, you know, donating bodies to science. For whatever reason, people people don't like that, regardless of gender. So I think those two issues contribute to that. Given generationally the increase now of more uh, women in sport, it only seems reasonable. It only seems logical. In traditional sports, but also things like there are women now boxing, there's, there's female cage fighting. We're only going to see more incidences stands to reason, right? I think one of the important points of this piece is to to call attention to the fact that, you know, CTE can occur in the sports that we might not necessarily think about. One of the greatest uh, moments of surprise in this was when I read the first couple paragraphs, I never would have thought bobsledding would have would have lent, its, lent itself to CTE. But things like lacrosse, things like skiing, a couple other things that were pointed out in the article really kind of made me take a step back and think, oh, things that aren't traditional sport, things that women are involved in, things that people are involved in. It just points to, you know, more of a need to study this on a, on a much broader level and the importance to pay attention to it. There's a study cited in this piece about uh, adolescents suffering concussions and the high rate of incidences of young women playing high school soccer and concussion incidences there. At some point, this is about coaching, right? At some point, this is about awareness on the field, even a medical proficiency to figure this out. And we're nowhere near that, even at the highest level of sport. How do we deal with that on lower levels of sports? Education. 
education has to be the step, educating coaches as to what a concussion is, educating coaches as to the signs, um, having a full understanding of the implications of a concussion, what the severity is, what the effects are. You know, we always tell athletes, play through the pain, play through the pain. It makes you tough. It makes you strong. And, and that's great, you know, if it's your knee or your ankle. Because someday you can get a knee replacement, you can get an ankle replacement, but you can't get a brain replacement. You know, and even even things as a minor concussion, you know, they tell you no screen time. Take take time off. Don't read. Don't focus. Don't concentrate. And if they're telling you for a concussion in your normal everyday life to not look at your phone, not look at a computer, um, you know, we need to be cognizant of those things and what we're asking of our athletes out on the field. Um, but the education, and I think um, a greater education for, you know, our coaching staff, our medical staff, you know, the administration in, in taking these things seriously. I think back to some of the coaches that I had, if I'd had a concussion and I walked in, I don't think they would have known, you know, that from a migraine. Um, and I know that some of my coaches would have told me to suck it up and get back out there. It's, it's not a good attitude to have. Um, and my coaches are not the only ones that had it. They're probably not the only ones. that It's not a unique perspective. So, you know, getting over that mentality and taking it seriously. Because like I said, you, you can't replace a brain like you can repair an ACL or take a couple weeks off and mend an ankle sprain. That's a very interesting point. And, and one of the last points in the story itself is that the Concussion Legacy Foundation is now accepting pledges from non-athletes and non-military veterans to service controls in their research. And also, by the way, did you know that February is Brain Pledge Month? I learned that when I read the article. We've got links to this article and to Dr. Lauren Smith as well. Please do check those out. They're just below the audio here. And Lauren Smith, sports media professor at Indiana University, thanks for spending your time with us today. Thanks for having me. This is the best story I've heard today. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll share it with others. Thanks for listening. We look forward to sharing stories with you again very soon. I'm Kenny Smith. And here's one other piece of news. You hear the best story I've heard today on our host site, podbean.com, but it is now syndicated and you can search and find it on other sites like Stitcher and Google Play. The best story I've heard today now on Stitcher and Google Play.